This show is produced in conjunction with Blazing Caribou Studios. You can check out this and other cool podcasts in the Blazing Caribou family by heading over to BlazingCaribouStudios.com. If you like the show, consider becoming a Patreon and donating because BCS is funded solely by listeners like you. Special thanks to Alpha Geek Media and Diamond Club for their continued support. And as always, thank you for listening. When you hear the word Australia, it just conjures up kangaroos and wallabies. Boing, boing, boing. It's like Australia's on the bounce. And have a look at these little bunch here. Hello and welcome to the Varmints Podcast. Every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. I'm Paul and I'm not an animal expert. I'm Paul and I don't know anything about animals. So what are we talking about this week, Paul? Well... This week, we're talking about kangaroos. Now, about a couple months ago, we did an episode on raccoons that I released as kind of a beta episode or a test episode, and we got some feedback on it. And one of the bits of feedback I got from somebody, and I don't remember who it was, they said, I can't wait for you to talk about an animal that you really don't know anything about. Oh, right, right. Like kangaroos. They specifically mentioned kangaroos, so this is more or less kind of a listener request. So, let's talk about some facts about Kangaroos. Hey, let's go get educated on some animals. I know you wanna. <laughs> Kangaroos are marsupials, so uh, what does that mean, Paul? Well, it means that they carry their young in pouches, and those pouches are not actually called pouches. The scientific name for them, the scientific name for a pouch, is a marsupium. A marsupium, huh? Yes. Okay. And there, there's actually four different kinds of kangaroos. They all live in Australia. The red kangaroo is the largest. It's the largest kangaroo, and it takes up the most amount of space. Right, okay. They, they're the most common kangaroo in all of Australia. There's an eastern gray kangaroo, which is kind of fluffier. Some kangaroos kind of are like a brownish gray and kind of a flat color, and then some kangaroos are kind of fluffy looking, like a like a stuffed animal. Right, yeah, so something you might uh, take to bed with you at night or something. Exactly. Right, okay. Uh, there's a western gray kangaroo, which lives in the western part of Australia, Obviously. as its name would indicate. And it's kind of a smaller kangaroo. It's sort of that dull brownish gray color. Sure. And then there's another kind of kangaroo called the antelopine kangaroo. Whoa. And it's also kind of brown, kind of small, and it lives in the furthest northern parts of Australia. So does that one look like an antelope? It, they all kind of look alike, actually. <laughs> They're just kind of different different sizes, except for that fluffy one. The fluffy one the fluffy one is really, it looks like you could like cuddle up with it at night. Almost, almost like something like related to a koala bear, maybe, right? It does kind of look like... Like a real a distant relative. Like a, like a koala kangaroo. Right. Uh, one thing that I know is that the uh, collective noun for kangaroos is, uh, there's a couple that we use, and um, they are either a mob, a troop, or a court. Kind of something that I thought was interesting about that was that a kangaroo court is something that we use to describe like a like a judicial tribunal or uh, like a collection of people that are putting someone on trial, and the verdict's kind of already decided ahead of time. This person's going to be guilty. And they already decided, and the tri trial is just kind of formality. 
Yeah, you, you definitely don't want to be on the business end of a, of a kangaroo court. Right. And that term could come from the fact that these courts kind of jump ahead of recognized standards of law or justice to reach their decision. Right. Or it could refer to the kangaroo's pouch, meaning the, that the court is in somebody's pocket. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of thinking about it. I guess I didn't consider it like that. And then also, uh, you know, when you think of kangaroos, you think about how they like to jump around a lot, right? So one thing you might not have realized is that kangaroos can actually travel by hopping pretty quickly. So like a comfortable hopping speed for a red kangaroo is about 20 to 25 kilometers per hour. So for those of you who don't speak space points, that's like 12 to 16 miles an hour. (laughs) (laughs) So we have seen kangaroos actually achieve speeds of up to 70 kilometers per hour, which is 43 miles an hour. But that's only for short distances. They can have a sustained speed for like kind of an intermediate sprint maybe of 40 kilometers per hour, which is 25 miles an hour, for about 2 kilometers or 1.2 miles. Yeah, and what's amazing about that is we just had the Olympics. Usain Bolt, who is probably the fastest man on the planet, I think everybody can agree. I love Usain Bolt. Yeah, he can attain speeds of about 28 miles an hour, but for only very, very short distances, for like a burst. Yeah, for like 200 meters, say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to to be able to sustain 25 miles an hour for over a mile is remarkable. Right. That's like 10 times the performance of a human being. Absolutely. And the kangaroo's legs, even when they're moving slowly, they're just kind of hopping. And right. it's because their legs always mu- move in unison on land. Oh, that's crazy. And the only time they really move independently of one another is if they're swimming. Then they can kick each leg independently of one another. But if they're on land... Those two legs always move at the same time. Ah, what do you know about that? That's kind of interesting. You know what? That kind of reminds me of how if you take your uh, your ring finger and you try to touch it to the palm of your hand, you always have uh, one or two of your fingers, generally speaking, are going to move with it, right? Maybe that's kind of like how their legs work, except for some reason when they're in, in water, they can separate that. Yeah, and I'm doing it right now. <laughs> and it's hard to just move... You can kind of move your ring finger independently of your other fingers, but your ring finger, like at least on my hand, all the other fingers move with it. Right. I hope everybody else that's listening to this is looking at their hand and moving their fingers right now like I am. (laughs) Yeah, especially it'll be really funny if you're in front of a bunch of people like at your office or something and then they're walking across like, what's this guy doing over there? He's just looking at the palm of his hand trying to touch his finger there? What? (laughs) Hey, listeners, you also can't lick your elbow. Try it. (laughs) It's true. You really can't. (laughs) But it's funny to watch someone try. (laughs) Yep. So, uh... Kangaroos, another interesting fact is that they have chambered stomachs, right? So that's kind of similar to like how cattle and sheep are. Uh, so what happens is as they're eating, they regurgitate the vegetation that they've eat it, eaten. They chew it, which is, you know, if you ever heard of someone say chewing on cud? That's what that is. They're chewing on cud. And so then what they do is they swallow it again and then it finally gets digested and moves through their system, right? One thing that you know about animals like cattle and you know rabbits and other animal that, animals that eat a lot of grass is that grass is really abrasive and different animals handle that abrasiveness of grass different ways like rabbits for example their front teeth just always grow right the way that kangaroos handle it is that their molars as they are uh, grow as they're like eating and the, their teeth are constantly growing uh, they move towards the front of their mouth and eventually they get ground down and fall out and then new molars will grow in in the back 
So that's how they kind of handle the abrasiveness of, uh, of the grass. The constantly growing teeth. Right, exactly. It's kind of weird to think about, but yeah, because, you know, we only have one set of teeth that we get after, you know, our baby teeth, and that's all we have. But kangaroos, if something gets screwed up, they can just wait, and eventually they're going to have a new tooth. Wow, that's neat. And I didn't get to look uh, before we did the podcast in my research about what kangaroos eat, but I imagine they're they're primarily, like, they eat grass and plants and that kind of thing. Right, exactly. That's exactly right. So one interesting thing about the process of them eating, right? So they eat all their plants and grass. And most animals, when they eat, they have this uh, byproduct that's like kind of hydrogen-based. And, you know, when you get that gas, you release it through a little little toot, and then you uh, have a nice <laughs> smell. So the interesting thing about uh, kangaroos is that they actually further digest that gas. And then the byproduct is acetate, which uh, is more sweet-smelling. So... The thing is, like, I don't know, when a kangaroo farts, what does that smell like? Well, acetate is, isn't that nail polish remover? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's, it's kind of the same thing as nail polish remover. So I guess if you like the smell of nail polish remover, then kangaroo farts might not be so bad? Right, well, you know, I know a lot of people that would uh, just take a good whiff of nail polish remover if they had a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, another fact is that my farts can actually remove nail polish as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> My wife can vouch for that. Yeah. <laughs> That's no good, man. <laughs> you might, you might want to get that checked out. <laughs> you know, many species of kangaroos, they're nocturnal or crepuscular. Now, I don't think we covered this in the owls episode. Owls are crepuscular, too. Right. That means they're... they're very active at dawn and at dusk. Right. And then the kangaroos usually spend the days they're resting in the shade. And uh, in the cool evenings, nights and mornings, they're moving around, bouncing around, and eating grass. Yeah. And making making acetate farts. <laughs> acetate farts, man. It's <laughs> the name of my new metal cover band. Oh, you stole it from me. <laughs> Can I play bass? Yeah, sure. All right. I'll take some Beano before we do our shows. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to make it legit, you know, so. <laughs> so, uh, kangaroos, they actually um, mate in consort pairs, you know. Speaking of uh, what bands like to do, they like to mate in consort pairs. So what is a what consort is a... pair, right? I knew you were going to ask that question. <laughs> yes, good I question. don't know what a consort pair is. <laughs> so uh, what happens is uh, kangaroos, they mate. They hit it and quit it, and then they move on to the next one, right? So they, they move from partner to partner pretty quickly. The thing is, is that when they mate, the process of actually mating takes up to a couple days for them to accomplish, right? Sure. Yeah, so, uh, I, I mean, I don't know what kind of experiences our listeners have had, but just imagine keeping that going for a couple days. It would be, uh, be a long, long, long couple days, let's just say. <laughs> Well, I guess, I mean, if you didn't have anything else to do, I mean, that's a good way to spend the time, right? Sure, yeah. If, if your and only other option was eat grass, sure. Kangaroos aren't out there curing cancer or, or producing <laughs> podcasts. What else are they doing? Yeah, but maybe the, grass, maybe the only around. reason why they're not doing it is because they're doing it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when a joey is born, it's about the size of a lima bean. The joey will usually stay in the pouch for nine months to a year. And then uh, at, at about nine months, they'll start leaving the pouch for like small periods of time, right? The thing is, the kangaroo, the way that their reproductive system is set up is pretty much constantly pregnant, right? 
So th there will be the day that she gives birth, the, the joey will move into the pouch. And then, you know, kangaroos, they're pretty active uh, animals. They're going to have sex right away. The kangaroo is going to get pregnant again, and she can just put the pregnant on hold, or the pregnancy on hold while she has a joey in the pouch. So after the joey leaves the pouch, they can let the pregnancy continue, and uh, they're just basically constantly pregnant. And that is amazing. If you think of what humans have to go through to preserve sperm, to preserve e pres preserve eggs yeah. and embryos, um, and the kangaroo just does it naturally right? Like, without even trying. Yeah, the process And the female is... kangaroo can also choose what sex the joey will be, right. which is crazy. Exactly. Uh... And I tried to look up how the female kangaroo does this, what process it is that she can just choose what sex the joey will be. Mm -hmm. And I found the Stanford University Medical Center uh, report on this, and they attribute it to an what they call an unknown physiological mechanism. It's a mystery. Or in, layman, or in layman's terms, I don't know. <laughs> hey, hey, Dr. Doctor Smith, how do you think the kangaroo uh, freezes her embryo? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh... The, the the thing about kangaroos is they only live for about six years in the wild, so maybe the all this like uh, promiscuous activity and uh, like uh, constantly being pregnant, maybe that's how they keep the species alive. It's just by uh, doing it and doing it and doing it well. I guess one of the other activities that that kangaroos like to uh, engage in is they have like this ritualized fighting that they do. So they've basically like created a sport amongst themselves, right? It's mostly performed by the males too. They'll get into these fights with each other, and the winners are the ones who are able to push the opponent backwards or down to the ground. So it's like really similar to like Roman Greco wrestling or something like that. Yeah, have you seen videos of kangaroos fighting each other? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. They can. This is like a kangaroo in a video game, in a fighting video game move. Right. They can balance. They can lean back, balance themselves on their tail, <laughs> and kick out with both legs. Because as we said before, they, their legs move at the same time, so right. they have to balance on something. They can't. Mm -hmm. They don't really jump in the air. Well, they kind of do, but they also use their tail for support so that they can kick out with their legs. I know it's so nuts. Like the, their tail must be pretty strong to be able to support them while they're doing these like martial arts moves, right? Oh, it's crazy. And at the end of each leg on their feet, they have kind of like, if you look at your foot and you picture like your big toe, mm -hmm. and then you just have like two other toes on your foot. They're like two pinky toes on either side of their big toe, of your big toe. Okay. That's what their, that's what their foot looks like, except they have a big old claw on that big toe. Oof. So they can tear that. something up with those right. between the you know the the power in those legs to be able to to jump uh, you know as far and as fast as they do, and that big claw they can do some damage. Oh, man, that sounds brutal. You know what's brutal is um, the boxing kangaroos. Right. Have you heard of boxing kangaroos? Yes. Yeah, I thought that you know putting a pair of boxing gloves on a kangaroo and putting it in a ring with a human. It was like a circus thing from the 1930s. Yeah, it sounds like something that, like, kind of uh, old and old timey, right? Like, uh, they probably don't do stuff like that anymore, right? Well, you would think. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw a video on YouTube from 2010 oh, no. with a boxing kangaroo in a ring with a person with a with a clown. Ah, oh, it's terrible. Yeah, usually the clowns don't hit back. Usually they'll just take it from the kangaroo, mm -hmm. and then and the kangaroo doesn't even want to be in there. Right. 
and you can see them like trying to keep the kangaroo in the ring mm -hmm. facing the clown and it's really kind of sad but on the upside there's a great YouTube video of a very very large kangaroo on British television beating up Woody Allen <laughs> and I am not making that up it's <laughs> Maybe the most underrated video on all of YouTube. Oh, man, I got to check that out. <laughs> well, I think this is a good time to talk about kangaroos in pop culture. But first, we're going to hear this message. Remember the excitement after opening all your presents at Christmas time? And behold, Santa brought you an Atari 2600 and an extra controller. Remember sitting two feet from your color-enhanced Zenith television while your friends huddled around you as you played the newest games like Pitfall, Frogger, and Centipede? We played for hours on end and watched the days slip by as our hands cramped from holding the controller in the same position. But we didn't care. Now that we're all grown up, we get to reminisce and feel the nostalgia once more. Only this time, we share them with someone who has never lived in the 80s or even the 90s. Each week on 8-Bit Avenue, Matt and Katie give Reagan a tour on how cool old things can become new again. Listen on Blazing Caribou Studios, go to BlazingCaribouStudios.com, or look for 8-Bit Avenue on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we're back. You know, whether they're the ones doing all the work or they're just there for comic relief, Movies, TV, and video games are loaded with animals, and the kangaroo is no exception. So let's talk for a few moments about where we usually see kangaroos, not in nature or in a zoo, but on a screen. The kangaroo is like a symbol that's really commonly associated with Australia. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but a lot of airplanes, right, they have a thing called a roundel that they have on the side that kind of identifies where the plane is from. So the Royal Australian Air Force actually has a kangaroo on its roundel, which is kind of cool, but I mean, kangaroos don't really fly, so it's a little, little weird for to choose that for their roundel. Maybe they consider their jumping like flying at a very, very, very low level. <laughs> sure, I suppose so. Back in 1982, one of the first arcade games that I ever put quarters into okay. was called Kangaroo. Okay, that's interesting. What's that about? Well, I think they had a really novel idea. Mm hmm. Okay. There's a mother kangaroo at the bottom of a series of, of like, levels okay. that are connected by ladders, okay? All right. At the top of the level, there's a cage with her baby kangaroo that she's trying to rescue. Okay. Now, pretty, pretty novel idea, right? She has to, like, bounce over the levels and climb up the ladders. And as she's doing that, little monkeys are, like, throwing things at her, trying to keep her from... Oh, wait, this does sound familiar. Yeah, this sounds just like Donkey Kong. <laughs> you might as well it was just actually... The, sorry, I was just going to say, you might as well just call the kangaroo jump man and uh, get yeah. on with it. <laughs> it was actually made a year after Donkey Kong, and obviously somebody saw how popular Donkey Kong was and tried to replicate that, as happens with so many video games today. You right. know, you hit upon a good idea like Angry Birds, and suddenly there's a million different Angry Birds clones out there. Yeah. Same thing with Donkey Kong. Kangaroo came out. I think they had a Popeye video game that kind of was the same thing, where you went level by level by level trying to save olive oil. Right. But it was actually a good game, and I was not that good at it, but I enjoyed 
I enjoyed putting quarters into it and getting myself frustrated and rage quitting. Well, I mean, I guess it, you can't you can't mess with the good formula. It's just uh, what what kind of overlay do you want on top of it? In this case, you got a kangaroo. Yep. Yep. So, uh, you know, I I was thinking about it. I couldn't really think of any cases where I'd seen a kangaroo in a movie. Paul, uh, have you seen any movies that have kangaroos in them? Unfortunately, yeah, I did, and I really think I took one for the team here. <laughs> All right. Uh, on, on Netflix, there is a movie called Kangaroo Jack. All right. This was from, uh, I don't even know what year it was, sometime in the last 10 years. Okay, so it's relatively and recent. Relatively recent. Now, usually when I when I watch movies, I'll look at reviews on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes, and generally, like, the percentage on Rotten Tomatoes pretty much aligns with how I feel about a film. So sure, I, they're okay. pretty reliable for me. Not everybody likes them, but I, I kind of rely on them. But, and I usually look at that before I watch a movie. Okay. I did not look at the Rotten Tomatoes review right, before well, I watched so, Kangaroo Jack. So do you feel like this was a mistake? The movie or me watching it? <laughs> uh, because the answer is yes to both. <laughs> it might be the worst movie I've ever seen. I literally had to watch 20, maybe 20 or 30 minutes at a time and then pause and go do something else and <laughs> and then and not be angry anymore and then come back and watch another 20 or 30 minutes. It got 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's, it sounds like the experience I have when I'm trying to eat peas. I have to like stomach stem <laughs> down and then like go do something else eat some chicken or something then come back to him later right okay except peas are actually good for you they're somewhat nutritious <laughs> this has no could, benefit <laughs> yeah i could feel this movie pulling iq points out of my brain actively <laughs> i could feel myself getting dumber as i watched the movie all right nice so if you're looking for a movie about kangaroos i would not recommend kangaroo jack it's not a good uh representation of what kangaroos are all about yeah i mean you're gonna have probably a hard time finding kangaroos on the screen in general there yeah there's not very many i couldn't really come up with anything else other than kangaroo jack right oh you know what but you know what else there is um as far as movies is there's winnie the pooh oh yeah winnie the pooh yeah yeah kanga the mother kangaroo right. and her and her little joey roo yes right Probably the most normal, well-adjusted animals on the entire movie of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, every I, other. They almost don't fit in because they don't have some sort of weird, weird thing about them. Like they're not grumpy all the time, like uh, Eeyore, and they're not obsessed with honey, like uh, like <laughs> Winnie is. So you know, what I mean. Yeah, other than not having like dad around and dealing with those issues, they're pretty well-adjusted. They're pretty normal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, hey, are you going to eat that? Well, we ask this every week. Would you eat kangaroo, Paul? Well, I got to be honest with you. I can't really explain why, but for some reason it just seems wrong. I don't think I could eat a kangaroo. I saw pictures of, um, like, processed, butchered kangaroo in a market in Australia, and it really looked like nice lean beef it looked good wait so people regularly eat kangaroo then people regularly eat kangaroo all the time all right that seems a little weird to me i'm not gonna lie i didn't look up hunting regulations for australia on kangaroo mm -hmm. but apparently it's very very common to eat it sell it 
Yeah, they eat it all the time. I hope it's I not one be, of those I, things where, like, in uh, in the United States, where if you accidentally uh, kill something with your car, you can pick it up and eat it later. You know what? It might be. It might be like a deer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, uh, some... or possums. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually ate kangaroo. Right. Oh, okay. So how, how was it? It was so good. I went to... It, now... Some people might say you didn't really eat kangaroo because it was kangaroo jerky. Okay. We went to a little beef jerky store, me and my wife, in St. Augustine. We asked the lady behind the counter, what's the best jerky in here? Mm -hmm. She said, without a doubt, the best jerky in the whole store was the kangaroo. Oh, okay. Well, so we took her word for it. We got bought a bag of it, and we had also we also bought a bag of like regular beef jerky. I think we got deer. I think we got bison. We got a few different kinds of jerky, and the kangaroo was easily the best jerky. Right. So straight from the mouth of the expert, then. How smart do you think kangaroos are on a scale of one to ten? Well, so I was thinking about how the kangaroos have like managed to organize this like fighting amongst themselves. They kind of created a sport, right? So. uh I'm going to go ahead and say they're probably, like, relatively smart, maybe like a six or a seven. Yeah, I'll go along with that. They're not eating their own poop, so right. they don't get the, the point and a half uh, markdown. Yeah, I'll, I'll go along with a six. Yeah. Yeah, it's Seems de- about right. Definitely, definitely a positive uh, feature when the animal doesn't eat its own turd. <laughs> if humans disappeared off the face of the earth, do you think this animal could run things? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think they could. What do you think? I think they're making a play because since the early 2000s, kangaroo attacks on humans have been on the increase. Oh, they're coming for us. They're coming for us. Normally, <laughs> they would um, they would they shy away from people, but more and more, you hear in the you're, you you probably don't hear in the news, but <laughs> not here. When I was doing when I was doing my research, I found a lot of kangaroo attacks in the last 10 years. Sure. Now. Whether that's because there's a ton of kangaroos, there's actually more kangaroos in Australia than humans, or or humans are encroaching on their environment, or what the... I don't know what the cause of it is, but kangaroos have basically had enough of our crap. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the start of an uprising. They're coming after us. Maybe. <laughs> All right, so before we wrap things up today, we actually got our first listener Email! Email! Yay. Yay! This is from Bonnie, and this is in regards to the Gorilla Podcast. She says, Your podcast was fun, interesting, and full of fun facts about gorillas. You kept it moving, and the time listening to it went fast. Well, thanks, Bonnie. Yeah, thanks. Her question is, do they normally attack humans, or do they usually run away? Right, okay, so I, I did a little bit of research on this topic, um, and it looks like they usually don't really attack humans. So there's a... A man by the name of Ian Redman, who works with a group called the Ape Alliance, and he's been working in Rwanda since the 70s with apes and gorillas and just apes in general. And uh, here's a quote from him. He says, All the incidences I know where people have been hurt by gorillas, or in some cases killed by gorillas, are in the wild where they were, where the gorilla feared an attack or was actually attacked. It turns out that unless you're going to be aggressive towards a gorilla and like actually physically look like you're going to harm them. They're going to kind of leave you alone. Which is basically true of any animal, I think. Yeah, well, a lot of animals. I mean, you got like killer bees who, you know, will just come after you for no reason because they're evil. (laughs) Her other question is, is there any info on the time a gorilla will go through its nine-step plan of attack? Good for me to know in case I meet up with one at Walmart. Right, uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen a couple of them there myself. So uh, what do you know about that, Paul? 
I don't know. Maybe she's going to the Walmart in Rwanda. <laughs> yes. Actually, uh, if you look at YouTube videos, and there's one where a gorilla uh, charges the, the plexiglass at the Omaha Zoo because there's little kids on the other side of the glass that are that are teasing it. Right. And it actually goes through those nine steps so quickly that by the time you get to about step three, you're you're done. Yeah. You're, you're going to be too in late. trouble. It's so, too late. It's already too late. Yeah. So it's pretty quick. Just a couple of seconds, huh? It's seconds, right. literally. Okay, sounds. Got good. anything else for this week? No, I, that's it. We covered it all. All right. Well, now you and I and the listener are experts on kangaroos. Right. All right. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Farmers Podcast is created, produced, and edited by me, Paul Chomo, with technical support by Paul Wilk and Matthew Chomo. The music on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod. You can contact the podcast at varmintspodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. You can visit our website, varmintspodcast.com, and there you can find all our links to social media. We're now on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast. You can leave us a nice rating and review so that we can get to this podcast into as many ear holes as possible. Ear holes. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening. Be nice to animals. Bye. Boing, boing, boing. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. If you like this podcast and want to hear more like this, consider supporting the BCS Patreon at BlazingCaribouStudios.com. A special thanks to Pinto and the Bean for our company theme music. If you want to hear more, head on over to PintoAndTheBeanMusic.com, where you can check out this and other cool tracks. From a shallow world.